Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I am your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 16. Sweet 16. Uh, This is a fun episode. This is my friend Maria, uh, spelled M-A-R-J-A. She said, I believe in the episode, she responds to anything that starts with M. So call her Michael next time you see her. See what happens. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in. This is an exciting episode, and I'm excited that you're here. Thank you so much to everyone that's reached out and left reviews in the last week on iTunes and Facebook. It means a bunch. And like I said, the more reviews you leave, uh, whether it's just tapping that five stars or writing something, it makes people see this podcast more and hopefully helps more people in that process. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you guys for that. And I'm not going to keep you. I'm going to bug you more at the end of the episode. But if you want to, you know, scroll on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter while you're on the episode, you can follow us at Friend Request Pod on Facebook and Instagram and Friend Request JL on Twitter. Okay. All right. Without further ado, here's my friend Maria. Well, thank you for coming here. Sure. Uh, I do like to start with how I know people. Yeah. So I've known you for. A long time, because you went to Clarkston Middle School, right? No, I went to Sashabon. No, you did went to Sashabon. Why do I... I have... Maybe it's just freshman year. I have a picture in my head of, like, school picture. Oh. Of you as a child. Not a child. Well, where did you go to elementary? Pine Knob. Me too. Is that what it was? That's what it was. Oh, my God. It was elementary. Wow. So, wait. So, who was your first grade teacher? Uh, Benninger. I just went through this. Oh, okay. I, I posted it on Facebook. Yeah, I had Benninger, okay. Van Wagner, Richley, Smith, and Samuel. Smith was that a man? No, it was Mrs. Smith. She was super young, and she was out in the portables. I don't think we had any of the. I don't think we were in the same classes ever. Son of a bitch! But yeah, I mean, we were in the same yearbook. Yeah. So, who was your kindergarten teacher? I was in kindergarten in Ohio. Oh, so I moved in first grade to Mrs. (laughs) Banneke. Oh, Banneke Kylie's mom. Yep. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Pine Knob. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Wow. I I knew. Yeah, I knew it. Yep. Knew it. Old. That's how I've known your name for so long. <laughs> right. It's, it's a weird one. Yeah. You always still have to correct people, I'm sure. I pretty much <laughs> respond to anything that starts with an M and has vowels after it. Okay. So, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, elementary and then high school. We, I think I saw you the most in my short stint of dating Ellen Cushing. <laughs> Just because. Whoa. Yeah. And there is. Band. Yeah. That's how it all mingled yes. together. Yes. And then were you also friends with like Scott Miller and Gomer yeah, and yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was some crossover too, yeah. I think. A lot of it was Ramshorn at all. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. Back Ram's to Ramshorn. <laughs> which I miss. This is wild. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I haven't seen you in like 20 years. So how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, doing all right. Uh, living the dream, I guess. Well, that's what I wanted to put together. I mean, what I know about you, what I think I know about you, mm. I'm making assumptions, um, but you went to, I don't know where you graduated. We'll get to that. But mm. you're a professor. I am. Um, percussion? Yes. What What did you do in band in high school? Percussion? Percussion, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So this is the anomaly part I was talking about because <laughs> you like had this thing you did and then you segued it into the career you have now. Basically. Rarely happens in my experience. Yeah. But. I was a French major for like a semester and as soon as I went away from music even though I loved every minute of that semester it was like okay well I have to do this and I just decided to do it that's awesome yeah um and then you just told me your husband does 
Yeah, he's uh, he's not a percussionist, but he's in the music field. So we um, our careers align, which can be good and bad. Um, it would be <laughs> financially better if either one of us had chosen a different career. Yeah. Um, Wait, they're not paying professors and teachers well? Shockingly, <laughs> no. Uh, but uh, it is nice that... I mean, our careers can be very demanding and the hours can be strange. Yeah. And so I think if either one of us were doing something else, I, th- I think it would be harder to understand each other, yeah. you know. Um, so that is definitely a positive. We, we understand what, what the other person does and that's fun. doesn't create a lot of tension. Yeah. So That's good. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, my wife works in insurance, so sometimes she'll come home and try to tell me what's happening and I'll be like, I'm listening, but... I'm just not. I don't understand <laughs> yeah. per se. Um, let's go back in time. Mm. You were born. I was. Um, parents still together? Uh, well, when you were born. I was never together. No. Oh, um, they oh were... I jumped to a lot of assumptions. <laughs> yes. Fill me in. This was 1982. Okay. Yes. So, um, no, they, they, they were had dated for a year or so. Um, so they were together when I was conceived, but, um, he wasn't really interested in doing the parent thing and she wasn't either until it was like, huh, well, there's this situation. So what should I do about it? Um, so she decided to move forward with the pregnancy and he decided to not. So, um, I met him when I was 25. Wow. Yeah. So was your mom single for most of your childhood? Yeah, she um she was married briefly uh, when I was in elementary school. Okay. Um, but he uh, is not in the picture anymore. He is now an executive, a vice president at Amazon. Well, all right. <laughs> so there's that. It's a shame he's not in the picture, <laughs> <laughs> right? At least monetarily, yeah. right? <laughs> um, siblings? No, right? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I wasn't sure, but just nope. making sure. <laughs> so it's just you and your mom. Yeah. Uh, tell me about that. Growing, like, what are your early memories of that? You know, um, I think some people would ask sometimes, like, do you ever wish your dad was in the picture or do you ever whatever? And I think when kids are growing up, whatever situation they're in is what you think is normal. So I thought people with two parents were weird. (laughs) I had such a capable, you know, self-sufficient mother who seemed to be just handling everything. So it's like, why do you need two parents? This is weird. You know? (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a funny thing that comes up with every single person is however you grew up at the time. That's you're like, yeah, this is normal. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was fascinating when people had two parents, but it was like yeah. entirely unnecessary, you know, from my perspective. And it's not like I ever had a dad who left. Yeah, yeah. He just didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, I knew obviously he was around somewhere, but um, I didn't have any abandonment issues or yeah. anything like that. So it was just us and it was So you didn't cool. really know you were missing anything. I wasn't missing anything. Yeah. yeah. And and I didn't even have any interest in, in knowing him until I was like 12 and we just started... Uh, writing letters and things like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was just like, he's just this rando dude. The guy that got your mom pregnant. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sperm donor. Like, you know, so then yeah. he started sending me Christmas presents and it was like, well, all right, well, I'll take it. <laughs> Free shit. <All> right. okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's crazy. Uh, so do you, I imagine you and your mom had quite a close and probably still do. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, the, the two of us, except when it was the three of us for a minute um, in my childhood. So yeah, she was a very, like I said, capable, 
self-sufficient. She um, was very career oriented, but I never felt like, I mean, she worked a lot, but what did she do? She was um, like an executive at GM for uh, my entire childhood and then went in a different direction after high school. But um, yeah, she worked for GM the whole time and she was um, an assistant plant manager for a while. And she was, you know, in sales and worked with Corvette and all kinds of stuff. And she was very dedicated to her work, but I was, um, she, I think she felt guilty about it sometimes, but I was a, I liked my alone time. I am a hardcore introvert. Um, she tells a story sometimes about how she came home early one day and early I means like five, you know, six. (laughs) And so I was like doing my homework. I had everything spread out on the floor. Like I'm doing my thing before she gets home. And I was just sort of like, what are you doing? Uh, you're not supposed to be home yet. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, I just, you know, whatever. I was like, Oh, all right. So then the next day it happened again and I heard the garage door up and I met her at the garage door and said, are you going to make a habit of this? Because this How is, old were you at this point? um, I, like early teenager, maybe 13, 12, 13, 14, nice. um, old enough to stay home alone. Yeah. Um, but it was like, this is when I do my thing and you're not supposed to be here. So she stopped feeling bad. About, like, That's you know, really funny. she yeah. didn't try super hard to be home at five and dinner on the table. And, you know, I imagine that she instilled some sort of values to where that, that was how you treated that time. Cause that having that time alone at that age, I mean, can go many different directions depending on your environment. Yeah. I, I mean, that's where nurture or that's where, yeah. Nurture kicks in instead of nature. Cause you just open to do whatever you want. Yeah, I, I think she didn't quite understand um, that I was an introvert until uh, I was an adult, really. Yeah. I think she thought I was shy. Um, she thought I was reserved. She um, And so she would push me to get out of my comfort zone because gotcha. she thought she was just helping me to blossom and become an adult and whatever she didn't realize that this is just kind of i'm weird and i don't like to talk to people (laughs) you know whatever and so um but i think when she saw that i wasn't dreaming that she would be home at 4 30 like the other moms you know it's like i wasn't missing anything and so i felt like that was sort of gave her permission to feel okay about her work and and you know i think she also felt like she was she was um, giving me a good, she's being a good role model because it's like, yeah, I care about you and I'm dedicated to being a good mother and everything, but I also have this other thing and it's equally as important to who I am and that's okay too. And you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's a strong image to set for a young woman growing up, I imagine, Mm because having that, that's, it's not typically always what you see, especially in that time period. Right. I'm sure that's why she felt bad in that time when, divorce wasn't it 50 50 yet right uh, right yeah well and it's just you know i think probably as a parent i am not a parent but you know you're always wondering if you're doing the right thing you're always second guessing and so regardless of of whatever you're doing even if (laughs) even if you're like a stay-at-home mom it's like you're probably worried about should i be working and setting a different example i mean i don't know you know i'm sure everybody second guesses yeah their parenting skills so anxiety like crazy yeah (laughs) frightened to have a child <laughs> right it'll be great though cats are great <laughs> yeah. i was just telling someone yesterday i was like i think when we have a kid i'm just gonna buy property up north and then just like pretend the rest of the world doesn't exist for the first like, number of years <laughs> right <laughs> the internet alone freaks me out. right i can't imagine trying to parent yeah. right now with like smartphones and stuff i can't either it's uh <laughs> no way well my because my theory has always been that 
kids know more than adults about technology. Yes. So every time someone's like, yeah, but now there's this new lock. And I was like, the kid already they, knows how to get past oh, that. Oh, for sure. They are <laughs> laughing at parental ridiculous. controls. Yeah. Um, so yeah, scary stuff. Terrifying. It's important that us non-parents wax intellectual about being parents. <laughs> right? We know how to do it, right? Yes. Right? <laughs> um, it also reminds me of Idiocracy. Oh. In the beginning where it's just like... <laughs> Hardcore. Because uh, the people that... This is going to sound terrible. Like, hey, by the way, if you're our age and you have kids, you're probably stupid. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons we don't have kids is because of all, like, you know, plan out, like, finances alone. You're like, well, we're going to spend... Mm-hmm this many thousands and thousands of dollars on like daycare or whatever like how's that all gonna budget in and then you're all of a sudden you're like oh it's just not a right it's not the right time yeah yeah it's never the right time if you think about finances (laughs) just stop wearing condoms and (laughs) see what happens crush fingers (laughs) anyway (laughs) getting back to things um how long was your mom or when did she get married and then how long was she married for you said elementary yeah so um I think they started dating when I was four, or maybe it got serious when I was four, or something like that. And then they got married when I was six and divorced when I was eight. Was that so. like for two years? Yeah. So it's kind of there all the time and then mm-hmm. gone. Was it like a bad divorce? Um, he did the thing. He he, he had an affair. Okay. Um, and uh, but she did a good job of like protecting me. Yeah. From that information, and so of course you get like you get mad at the parent who stays. You know, yeah. so even you though have he resentment for something, yeah. <laughs> so he wasn't my parent, but really, like, what do you remember pre four, yeah. four years old? Yeah. So he was, um, I called him dad. I knew that he wasn't my dad, you know, but yeah. I called him dad. He had um, adopted me legally. Um, we all changed our names to his last name. Um, and so I continued a relationship with him after that okay. um, until probably for like four years. Uh-huh. When she finally told me when I was about 12, what happened? And I was like, screw this. Yeah. And I literally never talked to him again. Do you think that looking back, do you think she viewed you like, or do you think that was hard for her seeing her daughter still talk to the guy that hurt her? Or? No, I think, I think she felt a little worried that I was missing something because I didn't have a dad in the picture. Yeah. So and she then, just liked you. And then she gave me a dad person. and then like he was gone. Yeah. And so I'm sure she was just like worried about whatever the consequences would be. Yeah. And so, um, and he was always a good like father figure to me. Yeah. So as, as crummy a husband as he was, he, he was like a good dad. So I think she was able to keep that in perspective. Okay. Um, I don't think she was disappointed when I <laughs> reacted the way I did, uh, when I found out, but it was like, you hurt my mom. You're dead. To <laughs> Bye-bye. Me. Bye. Yeah. Um, this is not off subject, but, before you were old enough to stay home by yourself, mm. did you, after school, did you do latchkey? Oh, yeah. Hardcore. Was that it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was always the last kid to get picked up. Yeah. Me and my brother. Uh, yeah. All the time. So it's, it's entire. I, I had a lot of. Mrs. Roy was oh, one of them. And uh, there was someone. I this? can't remember the other lady. Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I elementary school i for some reason i've become like a trivia box for yeah, stuff man. it's very crazy <laughs> yeah hardcore latchkey eventually i ended up staying with my neighbors um because i didn't like i th- i think i didn't like all of the social interaction to be fair because i was such an introverted kid that it's yeah. like i could handle a school day but like 
another two hours with these people? Please, can I just have a quiet I got blocks room? At home. I know. <laughs> I just want to go read. Can I just do that? So yeah, I guilted her pretty hard about yes. latchkey. So I don't. I don't remember how long I lasted, but that's funny. Yeah. Um, so the rest of school, good, normal, yeah, quote unquote, pretty normal. <laughs> yeah. Pretty normal. I had a tight group of friends, um, especially in middle school. Uh, there were six of us that sort of spent every minute together, um, sixth through eighth grade and then high school things go in different directions. And so I did like marching band and theater mm-hmm. and stuff. And most of them didn't go in that direction. Um, but then it was like marching band is an Insta family. So yeah. there was all that. Um, and, uh, yeah. So mi- middle school is, is sort of where my career started, I suppose, if you go all the way back there all the way back. because band starts in sixth grade. Yeah. So, um, I was playing trombone in sixth grade. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember how we chose instruments? Um, I had a guy come to my house. Yes. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. That's creepy. Well, <laughs> really I guess I just moved back to Michigan. Like it was a stalker van. It was like a van with no windows full of instruments. <laughs> and this old dude would come to your house yeah, and put things in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <to see what laughs> That's rough. Touche. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, because I had a single mom who was always busy, I was like the last kid yeah. to get that stalker van to come to my house. So I never really thought about that. Oh yeah. That's so funny. So like that, um, there are certain numbers, you know, you have to have balanced instrumentation, mm-hmm. you know, for a band. So it's partly like, can you make a good sound on this instrument? What do you want to play? How many more trombones do I need? You know, whatever, that kind of thing. But by the time they come to me, like everything's done, right? So he knows what he wants me to play. Yeah. But he still asks me like, and what do you want to play? And I had a um, an uncle who was a drummer, not a percussionist, but a drummer. You know, he was like yeah. played in his church band and whatever. And I thought he was cool. And so I was like, I want to play drums. And he goes, yeah, how about the oboe? <laughs> He, like, gets an extra bonus if you pick a woodwind or something. Right, like, he's freaking out because he has nobody to play oboe yet, you know? And it's like, "Uh, no, thank you. Uh, I I like to play the drums. (laughs) And I didn't really care, but it was like, you asked me, so here we go. And he was like, for the second time, yeah, how about the oboe? And I'm, like, looking at my mom, like, what is going on with this guy? Like, And I start to get a little, no. I would like to play the drums. And he gets so frustrated with me that he gets all exasperated and he sighs real dramatically. And he goes, we have enough boys to play the drums. Oh, challenge accepted. And a feminist was born. I mean, I was like, (laughs) I didn't really care that much. But now, not only am I going to play the drums, but I'm going to play them better than anybody else. And I'm going to show you, you know, so I had a lot of external motivation. So I practiced enough to be first chair. Nice. And then I stopped. (laughs) And then somebody would come up behind me. At that point, it was Adam Gibis. I remember that name. (laughs) Yeah. He was always second chair. Um... And so he would like practice, right now practice, he's practice. And, crying right? and he's like, ah! <laughs> and so he would practice, 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 and and he'd start to catch up to me. And so then I'd practice some more, you know, just yeah. just to be first. Just a little head of the curve. Yep. Yeah. And then that really got me all the way through middle school and high school as far as music went, because I had no personal motivation, but I had a lot of external 
Like when I got to high school, somebody told me that there had never been a female to play tenors in the marching band. And it was like, well, all right, I guess I have to do that. So is that the goal for if anyone wants you to do anything, just tell you. Tell me that I can't do it. Like you can't do that. It's not girls don't do that. Perfect. There had never been a girl to be the drummer in the jazz band. I was like, fine. I got to do that. Yes, I have to do that, too. (laughs) So really, it was just until I got to college, I really didn't have any like personal motivation. That's funny. Yeah. And then you just, now you're with it for life. Yeah. <laughs> Better or worse. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that guy. God, I never thought about that for so long. I remember that guy coming to my house. Yep. Um, I think I wanted to play trumpet. Okay. And you know how, like cats, for instance, we'll bring up cats because yes. you brought my cat a toy. Um, <laughs> of course I did. If they have, like, sometimes they have giant paws when they're young and they grow into it and they're like, yes. oh, you're a giant cat. I had giant lips my entire life. Oh, you are a trombone player, hardcore, <laughs> yeah. like I can So tell. he's like, oh, I don't think the trumpet's going to work right. for you. <laughs> Tuba, trombone. <laughs> so he got another piece of metal to put in my Uh-huh. <laughs> Creepy old man. Yes. Um, yeah, and then I played trombone. Mm-hmm. And I went away for like two months and then I stopped playing in the band. Um, <laughs> that's a story for another time. <laughs> so, wow, that's funny. Um, so that was your, I mean, that was your social aspect of high school too, right? Pretty that's, much. Yeah. Yeah. And I did, um, I did musical theater the last two years. So I kind of got in with like the, the, the dramatic cool kids, people. The, as I like to call them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They were cool in their own way. Yes. I loved musical theater. We're all just nerdy, hardcore. So it's just a different, a different strain of nerd. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I'm currently in an improv class. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so excited because I've been wanting to take it forever. Wow. And that's me and a bunch of people who I could, in theory, father. <laughs> so. Oh, no. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I'm still the funniest. I mean, of course. Obviously. <laughs> Duh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so high school, after high school, you go right into college. Yes? Yeah. I went to Kalamazoo College my first year and loved every minute of it. Um, but they don't, you can major in music there, yeah. but it's not, It's it's largely... Um, an extracurricular type of experience at Kalamazoo. So I was a French major, but I was involved in all the music stuff. And just being away from that um, path, it was, I knew probably six weeks into the semester that I was going to need to switch to music. And to give um, the music faculty at, at Case a lot of credit, they they basically sat down and said, we would love for you to stay. <laughs> But if you want to do what you say you want to do, you have to leave. Yeah. So they were very supportive of my transfer audition process and everything. And um, it's really great to be back in Kalamazoo because all of those people are still there. Oh, that's cool. So I'm, you know, it's kind of full circle. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It's wild. But yeah, so then I transferred to Michigan State the second year. Um, I I didn't go to either school, but for some reason I have... I'm a Michigan person. Of course you are. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because people who didn't go to either school. Yeah. I, I, I look at it as I like to root for the city and I would prefer to hang out in Ann Arbor than East Well, Lansing. who wouldn't? Yeah. So, I'll give you that for sure. That's um, my argument. I, I auditioned at both places and Central okay. um, based on the percussion programs. Yeah. And um, the vibe at Michigan in the percussion area was very, very, very odd at that point. So... Um, I got offers to go to both places, but it just, you get that feeling like you're on campus and it's like, this is the good fit. Yeah. And that's how I felt at state. And it was a, it was a good choice. Nice. Yeah. So you were there four years? 
Three years. Three years. Well, yeah, because um, I went to transferred Kalamazoo. and and I took. Kalamazoo does like trimesters basically. Yeah. Um, but they count as full semesters, so you basically do three semesters in the space that other people do two semesters. Okay. So it's like I had a year and a half of stuff that transferred. And so everything I took at K just transferred as general stuff. Okay. And I was able to do my music stuff in three years. So. Nice. Um, when do you meet your husband? In college? First day of Michigan State. Okay. 8 a.m. <laughs> music class. You know, the time, the place, and everything. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Do you remember the conversation, too? It was Heart Recital <laughs> Hall. Yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't like each other for, like, <laughs> two solid years. Wow. Um, it, on paper, we did not work. I was this like hippie, liberal, progressive feminist from, you know, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And he was this like Marine conservative Catholic from Texas. Yeah, that is not. And we were like, nope. If you were to, <laughs> if you were to give me a checklist of people, I would imagine uh, that exactly. would, those would not be the check marks. <laughs> right. So, um, a couple of those things have changed yeah, since then. I imagine. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it wasn't until our third year that we even start. I mean, we were, once you get in a music progression at a university, you end up in the same classes with yeah, the same, same people because yeah. you have to take them all in the right order and everything. So we took every class together. We were in every study group together. Um, so we were in the same group of friends. I wouldn't have called us friends until yeah. the third year. And then we hit it off like crazy um, and became sort of like best friends first. Nice. And then, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, feel free to, <laughs> but did you did you do dating and stuff before him in, in college? Mm-hmm. How was that like? Um, I had I had uh, um, basically one serious boyfriend in college okay. before him, um, and a couple uh, whatever you know high school things yeah. before that. So good old high school things, yeah. <laughs> whatever you call them. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have some of them on this podcast. That'll be a good interview. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, do you guys start dating before you graduate? Yeah, we started dating my last semester. Okay. So he hadn't transferred there. He was a first year when I was a second year. And he did a music ed degree, which is a five-year degree. Okay. And I did my time in three years. So he he had another two years after I was done. So did you stick around? No, I went to uh, Kansas City. Oh, wow. uh, For my master's. While he finished. Yeah, I mean, when we started dating that last semester that I was there, it was very much understood that this was just... For fun and i'm gonna leave soon and you're gonna be here and boy who, did he get you <laughs> who wants to do long distance and we were both feeling i mean he yeah. had already done a long distance relationship before and he was like uh-uh, i'm not doing that again yeah. you know so um we got very close and it was like six months and we were still like nope it's gonna be fine i'm just gonna leave and it's gonna... and then literally like the night before i drove to kansas city we were just sort of like um do you wanna i, I guess try <laughs> so it was two years long distance while i was in kansas city how was that you know it was rough in a lot of ways and it was odd being at the beginning of a relationship yeah. and it wasn't like oh we dated for three years and now we have to be long distance it was right at the beginning and and actually there were some great aspects of it because um we wrote letters nice so we talked on the phone every day but we also wrote letters. And so we kept 
those two things separate the two conversations. Yeah. So we had one conversation going that was only in letter form and it progressed very slowly because it takes a while. Because letters. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. it might take a few days to write a letter, yeah. you know, if you're busy. And um, so that was kind of cool because I think you say things more carefully when you're writing it down yeah. too. So we got maybe a little deeper in the letters than we would get on the phone. Yeah. And now we have all those letters still. That's really so nice. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, why I think I used chat rooms for so long. <laughs> um, well, that was probably the an- anonymity as well. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, writing, I, I would always prefer writing. Mm-hmm. Like when me and Erica, I might have to cut this. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I'll ask her. I'll ask her before I publish anything. Uh, but no, when we were going through something, um, it's my therapist's recommendation. Like, you just consider just writing something down. Because sometimes you just can't find those words. Exactly. And, like, um, it's like the best thing ever. And I was it like, is. you have to write a response. You can't, you can't respond to this verbally. <laughs> you have to, to write me. it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And which actually worked out really well. And yeah. like, I was like, Oh, this is fantastic. Cause I love writing and I can like, I, I kind of publish stuff, but like, yeah. I just really like writing and I can get my words out, um, in a way that I can't vocally mm-hmm. verbally <laughs> either way. Yeah. Pick a word. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. A nice little intimate relationship I'm sure you guys had. Yeah. That you could put up there. Yeah, Yeah. it was nice. Did you have them all splayed out at your wedding? No. (laughs) You don't want people to read you. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, So two years up. Mm -hmm. So you come down there, you come back here. Yeah, so (laughs) in two years, he graduates with his undergrad. I graduate with my master's. And it's sort of this very tense moment of like, what are we going to do? You know, he has a certification to teach band in Michigan and I have plans of continuing a doctorate so it was sort of like am I going to go back to Michigan to do a doctorate um or and I really liked my time in Kansas City I was not done with my time what took you down there um I had a friend who was in the studio with me at Michigan State um who was a master's student at that point and then he went to do his doctorate at UMKC. Um, And so I think it was the year before I was going to go. Gotcha. So he got down there and he really encouraged me to look into it. And at that point, I was thinking, I want to be in the Northeast. I want to go to Boston or New York or something, you know, Connecticut or something out there. Um, And I'm like, Kansas City? (laughs) That I don't even know where that is. That's like a square state that I could not tell you. Like (laughs) from Michigan, we don't understand we don't learn what the square states are. Like we it's these are flyover states. I have no no interest. And he's like, No, seriously, just please just promise me that you're gonna look at it. So I used it as a warm up audition. I had five auditions and I used that as my first one so that I got all the jitters out. And if I bombed, it didn't matter because I'm not going to UMKC anyway, you know, (laughs) and I got accepted on the spot, full ride, you know, whole nine yards. And, and it was like, can I cancel the rest of my auditions? Like I'm done. I'm coming here. I'm done. Nice. I didn't cancel my auditions, but yeah, I did end up going there and it was a, it was a great Did you get accepted anywhere else? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it's also really cheap to live in Kansas City and all those things. So yeah. financially, it made a lot of sense. Because what's there? Freaking Kansas City. Dude. Dude. <laughs> seriously. You would not think. There's but... Well, I've learned that 
because I travel for work mm. and my region is like from Kentucky to Montana. So like Nebraska, oh, okay. Iowa, yeah. <laughs> like random places uh-huh. in Illinois. And I've learned like there's cool spots all over Everywhere. the place. Like Des Moines is one of my favorite cities in the country. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine Kansas City is definitely, I mean, anywhere that's big enough is going to have an, mm-hmm. something that you enjoy there. Well, and it was just, it's very supportive of the arts which obviously was important to me. Um, But it also had a great food culture. It was walkable. It was drivable. It was cheap to live there. Like the only thing it didn't have was a large body of water. That was the only thing. The the climate was moderate. Like it was great. Did you, jumping back a little bit, Mm -hmm. did you do any, did you live on a lake growing up? No. Okay. No. Um, I had a friend um, who whose parents had a cabin up north that we would always go to and they had a sailboat. So we would spend a lot of time on the, on the sailboat, but we weren't really, uh, my mom and I were more of like, if we have extra money, we'd rather like travel or something rather than have a second place or a, I always feel like I missed out in Michigan because I'm like the only person I know that didn't either live on a lake or have like a best friend that <laughs> had something on a pond or a lake or something. There is something magical. It's, it's really funny. About, I, I did approve of the slow boat situation. I like <laughs> pontoons and yeah. sailboats and, oh, yeah. you know, speedboats aren't really my thing. But man, there's something very zen about being out on a sailboat, you know, in Michigan. Yeah, I've, I don't think I've ever been on a sailboat. Oh, Dude, it's great. It's like therapy. If you don't have to do Probably any of the work. Yeah, um. you have to go with somebody who's doing the work <laughs> yeah. so that you can just enjoy it. I don't it. want to rig any jibs <laughs> no. here, all right? I don't know what I'm talking Jibo. about. Yeah. yeah, no, you don't have to do any of that. No. Um, all right, anyway, off subject. But yeah. so you are done with Kansas City. You... Yeah, so I decided that I really wanted to stay um, and do my doctorate there. Okay. So he decided to come and move down there with me. So the plan was he was going to get a job. He was going to teach, like, middle okay. school, high school, something. Yeah, yeah. And my um, director of bands at UMKC was very helpful. And so he offered to, like, help him try to get a job. There were just no jobs. Like, no good jobs. No decent jobs. Yeah. So he was like, well, I can't get you a job, but I do have this assistantship if you wanted to do a master's with me in oh, conducting. Sure. And, you know, my husband was like, I really don't have any interest in doing a master's, but okay, you know. So he kind of fell into this incredible situation. That professor um, at the time was brand new. He had just gotten hired that year at UMKC. And now, um, you know, 14 years later, (laughs) he's um, like one of the top five people in the field for what he does so trey got in right at the right time and um was able to do a master's with somebody who people fight to work with now so that's awesome it was a great ended up being a great situation for both of us so was your plan from the beginning um to keep going your your bachelor's your master's doctorate okay and i think that the fact that i made that choice so early um allowed me to just put my head down and do it. Like I never got burnt out. I liked being a student and I was planning on it anyway. So I knew I wouldn't have a job until I was like 30. And the fact that I knew that I didn't feel like, Oh my God, it's taking forever. I was all in. I loved it. So I, I'm curious. Um, what, if you can identify it, what 
put you, my chair is very squeaky. What, <laughs> what put you on that, that path and gave you that motivation and that mindset and the determination? Uh, I mean, we, especially at this age now, everybody's kind of like settling into what their life is. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout your 20s is such a, for most people, I feel like scattered, like your goals change 9 billion times. Um, most people seem to go to school not knowing really what they're going to be doing. Um, you seem to have not only like the idea in place, but the determination ability to just go. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless I'm missing some crazy story no. somewhere, but yeah, that I mean, is that something you think that with your you learn from your mom being? I mean, you said your mom was like a high up in GM, mm-hmm. like that's got to be a nice role model to have mm-hmm. growing up. And then, I mean, what where did that come from? Do you think that's just your well, first of all, I mean, specifically, she was very supportive of me just doing whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, she had dreams of being a rocket. <laughs> she was a dancer. Um, but her parents were not into that dream. Yeah. And so she became an engineer, which she loves. Um, but she was very determined to just support whatever I wanted to do. So I knew that I didn't really have to, like, talk her into anything. I could just do it. Yeah. Um, but also... I don't know. I think the fact that I started out as a French major for, you know, five seconds and, and it, and it was just like, I love this. And yet I have to go back to this other thing. Like I've been so immersed in music and now I'm starting to move away from it and I'm starting to experience what life would be like if it was just an extracurricular. And I, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like I'm just not, if I'm going to go head first and if I fail, I guess I'll figure out something else to do, but I'm doing this. And yeah, it's, it's good that, I mean, obviously, but that you did it with education because music is such a, when you say it like that, like I can be like, well, yeah, I thought that same thing at the same time, except I was music like in a band and I'm going to go to Los Angeles and how come I don't have any money? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, because well, really my, my strength in music is not that area of music, which I'm not saying anything bad about it at all. I just, I don't have. But if someone would have said, I bet you can't be in a punk band, you probably would be. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did, I did the jazz band thing and yeah. I still don't feel comfortable in a jazz band. <laughs> so do you feel comfortable behind like a, like a rock cat? I'm okay behind a drum set as long as there is, um, literal music in front of me. Oh. Like I do a lot of musical theater Yeah, yeah. and you basically have to make that sound exactly like the original cast recording, you know? So you either are reading the music exactly like the whole drum set part is written out, or it's the scary slashes that don't say anything, but then you listen to the cast recording and you just copy it. So you're not comfortable with improvisational. Not at all. Interesting. Zero percent. That actually, I mean, it makes a bunch of sense because you're, you follow this structure and theory (laughs) the entire way. So Yeah. yeah. That, but that's really interesting because I mean I imagine you would be able to pull it off easily. To some, like if I'm just playing something four four, that you can just be like, I'm gonna do this then. But sure, yeah. But I it mean, sounds like you are frightened of doing. The that. thing is, jazz is so um, it's so much more complicated. Oh yeah, than well, I'm just saying most just... people understand, and so in that regard specifically, like I just have so much respect for the art. I don't have anywhere close to the ability to be able to do it justice. Yeah. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who would say, well, whatever you do, I don't know, whatever. I, no, I, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, I am very into like 
super weird contemporary improvisation, but I don't have to keep a beat and keep a style and all that stuff, you know? So I'm into like super weird stuff and I can be creative in that way. But behind a drum set, I need the notes and I will sit down and I will learn it and I will play it well. And that's the end of it. (laughs) All right. Good to know. Yeah. (laughs) So, so anyway, (laughs) uh, you get your doctorate, mm-hmm. Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Her husband does the apprenticeship. Yep. And you guys are still dating at that point, or is he? When do yeah. you? When do you get? In- so um, he did his master's while I was doing my doctorate, um, and so after two years, he gets a job in town, and I continue my doctorate. And then after that, next year is when I get my first college job, and I'm not actually done with my doctorate yet at that point. Gotcha. Um, that's also the year that we get engaged. Okay. So we get engaged October of my third year of my doctorate. And um, by April, I have this, like, we're deep in wedding planning, having a wedding in Kansas City, you know, all that. And then I find out that, oh, we're moving to Florida, I guess. Oh. Um, I just took a shot. I started... Like applying for jobs just as practice, sort of. Yeah. Um, because I thought that I would be really serious about getting a job the following year. So it's like, it would no be surprise. great. This is following a pattern for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> I need to be prepared. It would be great if I could get an interview, like yeah. one, so that I could practice and I'll probably bomb it, but then I'll learn a lot from it. And then next year, when I'm really serious about it, I'll be ready for it and my CV is good and everything, you know. Which is a mirror of you going to Kansas City just because of fluke just to get it out of my system uh-huh. yeah okay just making sure we're following the pattern. exactly following the pattern okay. and so i get this job in florida and it's like oh it's fantastic but i did not know that this is where this is going so um you know six weeks after the wedding we pack up and and move to florida and he didn't have a job so he waited tables for a semester until nice. he found a job. Where in Florida? What school? Um, Stetson University. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's um, it's like halfway between Orlando and Daytona. Okay. Okay. So it's a um, a small private. It's actually a lot like Kalamazoo College yeah. um, in the size, and it's a private school, um, but it has a, a very uh, a large music program, nice. great um, reputation in the state and everything. A lot so of senior citizens. It was yes, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a fantastic first job for sure. That's it awesome. was way I had a much better first job experience than most people I know. So, so when is, is your next one in Georgia? Yeah, so I was okay. in Florida for seven years. I oh, taught... you were there for seven years. Yeah. How is living in Florida for seven years? Awful. <laughs> That's the the response I was hoping for. Horrendous. I mean, I loved that university. I loved my students. I loved my colleagues. If I could have picked that university up and everybody in it and brought it to Michigan, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Um, I did not enjoy living in Florida. It's, if you're not a tourist and you're not on spring break, it is just not, I mean, I have Northern blood, you know, I just, um, when I have time to enjoy Florida in the summer, that is not the time when Florida is enjoyable. Um, I lived in Mickey land, so I'm not really a Disney person anyway, but also <laughs> everybody's world revolves around yeah. that stupid mouse. And it's just like the food culture was not really a thing. Seven years. Yeah. Ouch. So while I was there, I also taught at two other universities to sort of supplement the income because it was a part-time job at Stetson. Um, but I wanted to get my foot in the door with college teaching. So I, 
moved yeah. halfway across the country for a part-time job. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after seven years, um, my husband had gotten his doctorate in the meantime while we were there. And so then we both uh, got jobs in Georgia and were there for two years. And now we're in Kalamazoo. Well, there you go. At Western. Um, what throughout your, your school, because you were in school for then a total of what, seven years, eight years? 13 years years because i didn't finish my doctorate until december of 13 how did that happen well i got the job at stetson in so you finished your doctorate and while you were at stetson yeah so the whole point of getting a doctorate is to get a job yeah so then when i got a job it was like okay i don't have to push real hard on this and if i keep my status as a student I still have health insurance because this was pre-Obamacare. And if I keep my status as a student, I also don't have to start paying back my student loans yet. Yeah. So I dragged that shit out. I still do that. I did one credit a semester for as long as I could. And then I finally ran out of credits in December of 13. So I graduated. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. That's uh, one of the reasons I have an improv class right now is uh, just loan deferment. (laughs) Awesome. I collect degrees and continue <laughs> to defer loans. Uh, hey, stopped taking awesome. them, which is good. But yeah. Positive. Yeah. Step in the right direction. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's funny because it opens up opportunities. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I I'm at OCC doing mm-hmm. stuff, and they have now they have a mental health program. So I'm like, I'm gonna get that degree. Hey, let's do that. So I'm in a so that whole other than the the last seven years when you're in Florida. Up until that point, like, what are some of the bigger, like, roadblock struggles during that time in school that you had to overcome to continue that path and complete it? Yeah, I mean, one of the first things that I realized was that um, I had a, a fair amount of natural talent that got me through, like, all the way through high school, basically. Yeah. I didn't have to work very hard to be able to do what I needed to do. And then you get to college and all of a sudden, like, I was no longer the best person there. And so I was not used to that. And I liked, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I liked that healthy competition. Like, okay, now I have to work to get back to my first chair status. You know what I mean? Um, But I had to figure out how to practice because I hadn't learned how to practice up until then because I just Just had a fair amount of natural talent, which... I actually think was to my detriment because if I had learned how to practice earlier, I think I would have gotten further in my undergrad specifically, but I had to learn how to do that. And so that was difficult, but I was pretty dedicated to at least the idea of getting better. And I, um, I probably wasn't really good at practicing until my doctorate, frankly, but I tried and failed and I, I got stuff done. It was, it was fine, but, um, that was, it was hard to learn how to do that. Um, I went to Michigan state to study with somebody specifically, and then she ended up having to leave the university that year after one year of, of me studying with her. Mm -hmm. So then I had like an interim professor come in for my final two years. And so, and then I had somebody different my freshman year at Kalamazoo. So normally when you have, you're supposed to have this four-year continuum with one professor and you're building a relationship and that person has a a goal of where they want you to be by the time you leave and you're building a foundation and then you're building on that foundation. And so I had like different people ping-ponging and 
So I didn't really get that good foundation that most people get in their undergrad, which is part of the reason I wanted to stay in Kansas City was to stay with one person for a long time. Understandable. Um, But yeah, so uh, the whole process of her leaving and then me seeing kind of behind the curtain of what happens when a new professor is chosen in the audition process and everything. I was the student representative on that search committee. Okay. Well, that's got to be a cool little... It was cool, piece of experience. but I sort of saw how the sausage got made, and it uh-huh. was very, very disheartening, um, the process. Um, luckily, the person they hired ended up uh, being a great fit for the university. She's been fantastic for, for Michigan State, and um, but the, the whole process by which she was hired, and, and there was a failed search the first year, and so then they had to do another search the second year, and um, it was difficult, but I learned a lot from it, I think. Is that something you thought of when you started looking for jobs after? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I I'm probably jumped into it even a little bit jaded to begin with. Most people, it takes them a while to get jaded in that process, but I was like, this is probably going to suck, but whatever. <laughs> I feel defeated already. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So, um, but yeah, so uh, there were a lot of struggles with that, but I learned a lot from that experience too. Nice. So, um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, um, I just kind of did what I was supposed to do and, you know, I dug it. I I liked being a student and, uh, I didn't really fail at too many things at least big things you know um and i was pretty supported throughout that so it was a it was a pretty good experience take student loans the whole time i did (laughs) not in my undergrad okay um but starting in in master's and doctorate so i will i will never be (laughs) debt free yeah yeah it's just one of those things fun world um good times (laughs) i'm gonna switch a little okay I, i talked about this beforehand but so you are one of the only people i think only it might be only people that i've ever taken a book recommendation from ah because <laughs> um, i i think this started because i posted something about whitney cummings book. yes you you wrote a glowing recommendation for that book yeah. and for whatever you said hit me and so i was like yeah i'll buy it so i bought it and i read it and it so, was and you're great. probably the only person that's ever taken a book recommendation <laughs> from me i've read like very few books um <laughs> but yeah well the whitney cummings one was the thing that hit me hard was uh codependence because i think she like talks about mm-hmm. that a lot because she struggles with that and mm-hmm. uh it defined it in a way where i was like uh like light bulb uh. <laughs> um and then you recommended which we've talked about on here before um state of affairs by mm-hmm. esther perel yeah and then i went down a rabbit hole with like podcasts and stuff with her because yeah. she's amazing uh this is, like I said, change subjects, but mm-hmm. the big takeaway I got from that book, which I think is amazing, and I think everyone should just, if nothing else, know this about modern relationships, mm-hmm. is um, the comparison of, like, marriage used to be yes. two families going together because they, you know, they both needed, like, a farm or something, uh-huh. <laughs> and now it's that person has to be everything, yep. and that's un- unrealistic to, like, need your best friend, your, your sex life, your musical interests, like everything has to be from that one person Mm -hmm. and get everything from that one person, uh, is unrealistic. And that's, that was my big takeaway that it's okay to find, 
things and other people like not everything obviously sure um like I'm not going out and being like, "Hey, <laughs> you look like you'd be fun to sex with." Sex with? What was I about there to say? There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I'm great at this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like to find to find more comfort in. Uh, I can spend time outside the house with people that are meeting needs that mm-hmm. I don't need to like depend on my wife for. Sure. Uh, which is, it sounds so simple, but it's not. Yeah. Really, what's placated with uh media and and what you grow to expect from relationships just right based on what people tell you and everything so it's i thought that was a nice takeaway um i don't know where i was going with that yeah well (laughs) i um i'm big on npr podcasts a lot and so i heard her speak i think she was on a book tour about this book or something um and so i heard her talk about this book and it was just uh she had such fascinating perceptions of modern marriage and modern relationships. And so I bought the book and yeah, I thought that was the most, I actually got a little bit of a different perspective, but from that same thing, it's like, yeah, we used to, marriage used to be two families deciding that they could get something from each other, you know? And so you would like have financial stability with each other and you'd make some kids. And other than that, it's like, (laughs) your best friend was somebody else and maybe you had a different sexual partner yeah. or, or, you know, and you had all of these different close ties in your life and your spouse was only supposed to be like these one or two boxes that got checked. Yeah. And now modern relationships, we put a lot of um, stress, I think a lot of expectation on a modern marriage that they're going to be your best friend and they're going to be your perfect soulmate and they're going to be your, you know, life partner and your my creative muse. Yes. And, my... <laughs> and every like they're going to check all of those boxes. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, yeah, you can you can you should have a big community to have connections with other people. But I think it was also helpful for me for me to just acknowledge that what we're asking marriage to be is different than it used to be and it's hard and that's okay to acknowledge that it's hard and it's okay to acknowledge that we're asking a lot from this particular union so even if you're still trying to have that modern marriage that's okay i think it's possible but you have to acknowledge that it's i think we just assume that we're going to marry our best friend and then everything's going to be peaches from there on and it's like not really like probably not you know so just acknowledging that what you're expecting is one in a million and so if you're working towards that you really have to work towards it with the understanding that this is a big a a big thing that you're broaching you know i mean you're you're i think you have me beat uh because you've known your husband for how long like Um, (laughs) almost 20 years almost Almost, well, like almost 18, 15. 15? Because uh, it was, oh, well, we've been dating for almost 15 yeah, years. But, then but we've known yeah. since uh, August of 02. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, me and Erica have been together for 13 years. Uh-huh. Like three days ago, 13 years. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So it's it's funny, and you, I think you can relate to this because of that time period. As an individual, you grow in your 20s in ways that, like, it doesn't matter who you're with or anything. You're you're kind of finding your yep. path psychologically, mm-hmm. everything. Um, and to expect like that's going to grow parallel, uh huh, in the same like, direction, yeah, yeah, is 
It's a lot to expect. Yeah. yeah. But it's, I think when you step back and kind of realign your expectations and then realize like she does check, obviously she checks so many boxes, but um, I think the opportunity to grow and acknowledge where each other's path has gone in that Mm -hmm. time period has been probably the most helpful thing for our entire relationship. Yeah. But it's not something I feel like a lot of people get. Yeah. Because they, I don't know, us old folks and <laughs> been together so long. Well, and we also just assume that marriage, like people say marriage is hard. Yeah. But like, you don't really know what that means yeah. when people are saying it. And you just assume that you're the person who picked the right person and everything is just going to swim along and be fine, yeah. you know, with checking these 17 boxes. <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, man, that's hard. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> But it all worked out. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I just wanted to bring up that book because I think it's worth reading for anybody in any relationship or even not in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> It'll set your expectations if you're looking. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know if I have, what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> Is there stuff that I didn't touch on that you wanted to? <laughs> I don't know. We didn't talk politics, which I suppose Ooh. is okay. But <laughs> yeah. 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 Politics is one of the few things. I haven't really discussed on here. Mm. Uh, I went from NPR to podcasts, and then I was like, I don't want to turn my radio on anymore. <laughs> I don't, I yeah, don't. I definitely go through phases where I have to give myself yeah. a break, and I have to give myself permission to take a break, <laughs> because I'm very dedicated to my activism. <laughs> what have you done, activism-wise? Um, I mean... I, well, I volunteered for Obama's first campaign. Um, So I did some of that, but um, I think I just sort of try to do what I can in my own little corner of the world. And um, I do have a fair amount of influence uh, over young minds, you know, (laughs) being a college professor. So um, I did teach a protest music class for a couple years and the first time I taught it was fall of 2016, and it what started. What a time to be alive! It started in August, you know, and went until December. And in the cruelest of ironies, um, that Wednesday after Election Day was just chronologically the day that I had to explain the 2000 election to them. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't believe I have to do this today. Yeah. Like, let's talk about the Electoral College. Let's talk about the popular vote today of all days, you know. Um, Let's talk about hanging chads. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I I get the opportunity to challenge people, kids, young, young adults. Um, And I think that's that's a noble thing to be able to have the opportunity to do. I've had some very lively discussions with a lot of students and it, it's not just politics. It's like talking about hard stuff. Like um, I've talked about how hard it is to be a woman in the field that I'm in. You know, I've talked about the inappropriate things that have happened to me within the field of percussion so that my students know what to expect. I've talked about my suppressed sexual assault to try to like tell them that you know i'm a safe person to talk to and yeah. you know if, if i'm vulnerable with them then i feel like they might i might be the person the one person that they 
feel like they could talk to perhaps. Yeah. Um, and of course, all of this is tied into politics, in my opinion, because much of my politics um, has to do with empathy. And so um, the reason I think the way I think and do what I do is because I'm an empathetic person. And so I just try to be that person for other students. Nice. So that's my activism corner of the world, I yeah. suppose. Um, and I mean, you bring up a billion things that are <laughs> hot button topics yeah. right now. Um, but I, I am curious thinking about this. What, what is be as honest as you can with your job in mind, uh, but you're, <laughs> I mean, what do you think about, I don't want to say kids these days. Cause mm. that makes me sound like I'm 95 years old, <laughs> but you've been working with like 18 year olds as your students for well, like a decade now. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So, how have you seen that progress change? Are you do you see it's essentially like a reflection of you at that age and probably our parents at that age, or is there a huge shift? What are what are you seeing with the next generation coming up? I mean, you know, on the one hand, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, everybody's still eighteen. Everybody still, <laughs> you know, has the same dramas. But there is a huge change between like when we were eighteen, we were still paying for text messages like yeah. 15 cents each you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like we didn't have smartphones we barely had internet you know email was just starting to be a thing that we checked like every three days yeah. so the fact that they are um they have so much more i think stress as far as that goes but also it opens up a lot of doors for them i mean you know there are so many more things that they can do that I couldn't do or that I needed to do with a lot of time. They have a computer in their pockets. And so a lot of that changes things. But, um, I do think, uh, what is heartening is that, um, 18 year olds continue to be the, the social light, I suppose they continue to be the most progressive and the most, um, you know, they're the ones who question things the mm. most, which is nice. Um, it's great to see them being so inclusive of the people around them. And yeah. um, so it's, it can be, it's a very exhausting <laughs> and noble <laughs> profession. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I'm very lucky in a lot of ways. That's good. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to push you in any direction. <laughs> Talk about anything. You mentioned you shared with your students uh, sexual assault mm -hmm. that has happened to you. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's something you want to... Um, well, uh, it was somebody that I trusted, gotcha. and I have... I, I suppressed it for... I suppressed it until the 2016 campaign. That is when it hit me. Um, the yeah. Access Hollywood tape came out yeah. and all of the assault allegations against Trump. And then there was a lot of discussion in the news about, like, what is sexual assault versus rape versus harassment versus whatever? Yeah. Like, are there legal differences? So it was it was in the lexicon of, of what we were discussing. Yeah. So it was kind of on my mind. And then I saw a documentary called The Hunting Ground, which is about sexual assaults on campuses specifically. Is it on anything? It was it. on Netflix, I okay. think, but I don't know where it is now. Okay. But it specifically dealt with um, sexual assaults on campus and just the way that they were talking about it. Everything sort of came together at the same time. Gotcha. And it hit me pretty hard. 
Um, and I actually sort of boxed it back up and ignored it for a few months. You know, yeah. it was like so like, nope, I can't can't deal with that right now, yeah. you know. Um, so I actually have never brought it up to that guy. Okay. I am 100% sure that he either doesn't remember it or wouldn't view it in the same way. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I was just listening to uh, a story on NPR yesterday about the thing that just came out about Michigan State. Um, Michigan State just did a survey with female staff, faculty, and students and asked them, have you ever been sexually assaulted on campus? And, you know, all of this stuff. And 27% of the female population at Michigan State current um, have been through that. And the way that they were talking about it was, you know, the way we were raised, we, we sort of still think about rape as... Uh, guy a up masked to the, yeah, stranger, ATM to, yeah. you know, yeah, pulling you into the bushes and holding yeah. a knife to your throat and all that. It's and like, what, 90% of the time it's someone you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and 90% of the time it's like not that aggressive. Yeah. It's more coercive or just ignoring that there's no consent or yeah. whatever. And that was very much like my situation. Yeah. Um, and I think I carried a lot of shame of like, I didn't kick him in the nuts and I didn't yeah. run and I didn't scream. Replay things you know, and what could have, yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that saying no a dozen times is enough actually, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So I just sort of put that in a box and um, continued to be close to him for oh, years. Wow. No, I had something happen when I was like 11 mm-hmm. and I didn't tell anybody about it for... 20 some years yep. <laughs> and then I went to therapy yep. uh, <laughs> but yeah no shame I think is the biggest thing of all because and then the what you just mentioned replaying like what could I have done differently and like it's so weird because like I am a very <laughs> observant person yeah I like to learn from other people's stuff so that I don't have to learn stuff the hard way yeah. you know so I've been watching you know, Law and Order SVU for 20 years, yes. right? And, and it's been on for 80. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and every time it happens, it's like that girl feels this and feels that. And yeah. I have so much empathy for her. And I'm just like screaming at her. Like, why do you feel bad about this? Yeah. This is not your fault. None of this is your fault. It doesn't matter what you are wearing. Like, I am yeah. all about not being upset, but almost like, why do you feel this way? This is so weird. Yeah. And I think when I realized that that was in fact my story and I just literally didn't think about it, it was a very hard thing to acknowledge. It's just like how your head works. It's yes. Like, that's what trauma no does. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, sure. That's, I mean, that's, that came out in 2016. Like that whole, that whole thing was such a crazy time. I mean, not saying it like it's, and now it's over, thank God. <laughs> but I guess, no, not at all. Uh, but even, like, I, to the best of my knowledge, thankfully, I don't think I've ever done anything. But, like, mm-hmm. I, I had to go through, like, a mental inventory and, like, be like, well, shit, did I ever, like, push anything? Especially, like, when the shit with Aziz came out. Yeah. I, like, had to, like, question half the dates I'd been on when yeah. I was a teenager in my early twenties. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to think 
as, as a guy, I like sometimes I'm like, why am I still talking? Uh, but I like mm. to think that like, it's good that I'm questioning those things. Yes. <laughs> Cause at least I'm creating an awareness that I might not have had before as much as I might want to think. How, however, however progressive I think my head might be knocking myself down a peg to reevaluate situations. Um, I think it's probably useful for most people. <laughs> right. And, and being able to say like, I don't know, should I adjust my perception of this situation? Yeah. Like that's certainly the better way to think about it. I think there's been a lot of pushback. I've actually had a couple people almost gently dismiss my story yeah. because it's not the rapist with the yeah. mask and it's the not whatever. not an episode of SVU. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and there's this, this feeling especially with older generations of like well if that's sexual assault then everybody i know has been sexually assaulted and it's like <laughs> you are so close to getting it yeah you're so close yeah. you know half a step more because that is the point yeah from my point of view i think the every every guy <laughs> should at least mentally reevaluate mm-hmm. the situations you've been in um and even if that's as far as it goes that's yeah that's great yeah, and that's that's yeah, that's all I was trying to say on that. Mm-hmm. So I, it, this is one of those things that I just, I know the stance shouldn't be like, you're a guy, you don't have an opinion because I like it's a conversation that needs to be had. But I also feel like I'm a guy, I shouldn't have an opinion on some of that stuff. Well, I mean, you shouldn't have an opinion about somebody else's experience yeah, and whether absolutely. it happened or not. Yeah. But I think it's good to have an, uh, a perspective yeah. and be involved in the conversation for yeah. sure. Well done. Oh, thanks. That's what I was looking for. I needed the praise. That validation. Yeah. I feel so much better. Um, okay. I got I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Well, thank you. Thank you for having thanks me. Thanks for sharing all your stories. That was great. Yeah. Now we're going to start the drum lesson I didn't tell you about. Oh, God. Perfect. <laughs> Actually, I'm supposed to have a kit sitting right here, but it's at my Maria, Maria, Maria. Um, I'm still looking for a Pineob Elementary yearbook because I believe that is the picture I have in my head of her. Um, <laughs> just It's crazy and hilarious. And the person she was having lunch with before she came over uh, is another kid that we went to elementary school with, Garrett Garcia. Shout out to Garrett. But it was, uh, it, was, it was a great episode. It's fun to talk to her. It's crazy to me still that someone found a passion at sixth grade and then just like stuck with it and made a career out of it. What? I figured out what I wanted to do this year and I'm 36 years old (laughs) what's going on here uh but it was great talking to her and we we got into some personal issues there at the end which I appreciate obviously when people open up to me about that stuff and um it's always nice to have that conversation um as a man because it's if you know if you're on the right side of that argument um it's still hard to find what voice you have and I think that's part of the difficulty in having that conversation. Uh, so I appreciate that. And yeah, it was all around, all around nice to talk to her. And thank you guys again. Uh, as I said at the top of the episode, I got some reviews this last week and, and some people reached out to me and hopefully people reached out to some of my guests. It's been, it's been a crazy ride and we have Christmas right around the corner and New Year's, it's going to be 2020, so there's going to be a bunch of like vision jokes and Barbara Walters jokes. It's going to be nuts. So thank you guys for making 2019 awesome. Um, so far, so good. <laughs> 
December is shaping up to be the best month yet. Uh, I'm starting to see a pattern, guys. Every month is better than the last, and it's crazy. So thank you. Uh, I'm glad this is out there and doing good. Like I've said a billion times, this is the best thing that I've ever done uh, with my creativity, and I appreciate you guys so much for responding the way you do and for all the people that have sat across from me. Um, we've got some really great guests coming up, including some special episodes that I'm not going to tell you about right now, but I'm going to tell you they are coming before the end of the year, and it's very exciting. So I will keep you guys informed as they happen. Thanks for listening. I love you all so much. I hope you are finding some time for some peace and quiet amongst family and friends this holiday season. Okay. I love you. Okay. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.